Hello and welcome back to this week's Influencer Marketing Talks brought to you by Cure Media, one of the leading influencer marketing agencies for high street fashion, home and beauty brands. I'm Frida Ekholm. And I am Holly Moran. And as usual, we are going to be sharing with you all of the important trends and tactics in the consumer marketing in the digital age. And we're going to try and do it in right around 15 minutes. So today is sort of a part two to an episode we did a few weeks ago where we talked about a few of the key consumer behaviors and preferences that we identified from our study of over 1,000 shoppers. And today we are going to look at kind of the other side of that coin and share some of our learning from our research into the state of influence marketing specifically, but this time from a marketer's perspective. Very interesting. So over 200 marketing decision makers contributed to this research, letting us in on the tactics that are, in some cases, helping their brands navigate an even more competitive retail landscape, and in other cases, might actually be holding them back. So now we got a lot to go through. So let's kick things off with one of the first thing that caught my eye in this report, which was that less than half of brands feel like they completely understand Gen Z. I know, I saw that too. And that is a dangerous position to be in, I think, considering not just how quickly this generation is kind of aging into their commercial prime, but also the increasing uh, social power that they have to hold brands to account nowadays. Definitely. And this is a generation that too many brands are underestimating, I think. Mm. You cannot afford to lose out on these audiences or this audience. For one, they could well be your customers five years from now, even though they aren't today. And secondly, they have the power to really take a brand to pieces online. So definitely a bit worrying to learn that so few brands feel confident in communicating with them. It's it's a lot at stake. Right. So that's already a bit concerning. But what I found even more interesting, and I guess I, this is good news for some and, and probably not so much for others, um, <laughs> was the fact that when you broke those respondents down into brands who are doing influencer marketing and the ones who aren't, that gap between the brands who understand Gen Z and those who don't suddenly becomes more of a gulf. Yeah, and we found that among brands who aren't using influence marketing, just 19% feel like they completely understand the Gen Z audience. Which is crazy low. And it actually wasn't the only disconnect that we found in our research. No, no, not at all. No, so... There were a few areas where it was really clear that the tactics marketers were relying on were not the tactics that were going to be the most effective. And one of the biggies that I clocked was the desire of many marketers to keep a kind of a chokehold on influencer collaborations. So we found that 50% of marketers believe that they should retain full control over an influencer's content throughout a collaboration and that means dictating the copy dictating the visuals used everything ouch (laughs) (laughs) 
So now, before anyone listening will start to panic, uh, we are not about to suggest that influencer-generated content should be uh, free-for-all. But obviously, brands will still want to have some say over what is ultimately posted in collaboration with their name. But the reality is that this need for total control goes against consumer preferences on both a practical and an emotional level. So this is really important to remember. Yeah, and I I don't feel like it should be a surprise to anyone necessarily. You know, one of the biggest USPs of this channel has always been that feeling of humanity, the peer-to-peer relationship over traditional B2C communication. And this is something that was completely supported by the preferences exhibited by the 1,008 consumers we spoke to, because 67% of them confirmed that an influencer's Um, authenticity is one of the most important factors in their decision to follow them or not. And 52% clearly demonstrated a preference for live or impromptu content. Yeah, and this makes it obviously much harder, practically speaking, for brands to maintain control over. Mm -hmm. And there's another element to this uh, that's worth mentioning, And that is, if marketers do insist on this level of oversight and involvement in like the influencer copy and picture and everything, then the worst case scenario isn't just that your influencer marketing won't be as effective as you'd hope or as it could be. It's actually that you could permanently damage the relationship the influencer has built with their audience. So true. And that, like, I know that there's the temptation to sound like that's a them problem, you know, Um, but at the end of the day, Brands need this channel. And if you're going to go around laying waste to the relationships influencers have built with their audience, or even just demanding a level of control that influencers don't feel comfortable with, then you're pretty quickly going to find you don't have any influencers who want to work with you. Yeah, because influencers value their relationship with their followers very highly as well, because that's, at the end of the day, also their income. Mm -hmm. So something you definitely want to avoid, uh, especially when you consider that 64% of consumers say they see influencer content every single day. And this statistic goes up to 75%. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. If we're just looking at Gen Z and younger millennials. But it wasn't all doom and gloom, right? (laughs) There were some things that marketers are getting really right. So, Holly? (laughs) No, it's not all doom and gloom. We really did see some genuinely encouraging trends in the responses that we collected. One of my favorites of which was the spread of tactics in play. While sponsored content definitely emerged as the most popular format for influencer activations overall, which I think makes sense considering it's probably one of the more traditional or established ways of operating within the channel. But we also found that half of the marketers we spoke to were incorporating a minimum of two different influence marketing tactics, be that brand ambassadorships and gifting or live shopping and sponsored content. Now we could obviously do a a whole podcast on why this is so important, but if I would try to sum it up, I think The biggest thing to remember here is that your audience is not some collective homogenous group. Even though as an industry, we do love or like our collective nouns. Yeah, I mean, even using the term audience is probably, (laughs) I'm guilty of it completely. But the thing to remember is that an audience, your audience, is actually a collection of individuals. 
And while we can definitely highlight generational trends or gender averages or commonalities between any sort of group, the reality is that no two people are ever going to exhibit exactly the same behaviors or preferences. Yeah, definitely, Holly. Uh, that is really on point. So here, make sure you deploy influencer marketing in a variety of ways, incorporating a good spread of the different tactics uh, that is just going to give you, your brand, the best chance of hitting as many of your marks as possible. For sure. Every penny counts. Every penny, every customer. <laughs> you don't want to take anything for granted in a marketplace as competitive as the current one is. So test and try and see what works for you. Definitely. You need to experiment. You need to make sure you're standing out because, and this is a particularly scary statistic, one that really got to me, is that 30% of the brands we spoke to um, who were currently, I think it was 30% who are currently undergoing a digital transformation said that one of their biggest priorities for the next few years was literally just to stay afloat, which is pretty big. Yeah, that's really big. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things that brands were getting right, uh, I also want to mention, which probably sounds a little biased coming from, from us, but it's that 85% of marketers plan to increase their marketing or the influence marketing investment. Yay. And even bigger when you consider that 13% simply plan to stay consistent. Actually, just 2%, I'm doing the math, <laughs> of respondents who are planning to decrease their influence marketing spend in the year to come. And I think that says big things about the confidence that brands have in this channel and the results they must be seeing. Yeah, you're not going to throw money at a channel if you're not getting results, are you? I hope not. I'm suddenly <laughs> running through my marketing budget. Like, can I vouch for all of them? <laughs> but this, just to reassure everyone, this isn't just showing our bias. Obviously, we think that spending more on influence marketing makes sense. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a whole business devoted to the channel. Or we, you and me wouldn't be here. We would, yeah, we wouldn't have jobs. We believe in this channel, 100%. But the actions of the consumers, they definitely support this move as well. So 42% of consumers we found have bought something after seeing it recommended on social media. And 47% would consider making purchases within a social media app if it was connected to an account they trusted. And this is something that we definitely expect to grow quickly in the coming years. So not only is influence marketing already a lucrative channel, but we really feel like it has the potential to open up whole new revenue streams to brands incredibly soon. Definitely. And further to uh, that, uh, as with most things, uh, in influence marketing, you really do get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. It isn't a new channel anymore, and you can't just throw out a single sponsored ad and just sit there and wait and expect the customers to come running to you. <laughs> Those days are gone. <laughs> you have to be prepared to scale your activities in the channel, adopting those multi-tactic strategies we talked about earlier. You mentioned them shortly, mm -hmm. Holly, but we have a whole episode about it. And making sure you're in it for the long run, because that is what it takes for brands to stand out nowadays. It's like a relationship. You need to be there for the long time, uh, like nurturing the relationship with your audience. Yeah. yeah, it's no different to any marketing. You can't expect to do one thing and make your millions, if only. No. 
Um, so the other question, I suppose, is what is holding marketers back? And we did ask everyone who filled out the survey about the challenges they face in influence marketing specifically. And I do wonder if there are any that will kind of resonate with our listeners now. I think almost definitely. And this isn't the first time we've conducted this kind of research. And the same challenges tend to rear their ugly heads each time. And while there was some flirtation between our 2021 report and this year's, we can definitely see some familiar trends. So first up, we found that the most frequently touted challenge was cost. And that's a change from last year, isn't it? Because I think the, uh, you were here for this service, you remember more than me, but the biggest challenge then was measurability, I think. Yeah, and this slipped down into second place this year. Yeah, and we could go on for hours addressing these two challenges on their own, which obviously we don't have time for today, but they are, I think, actually not unrelated. No, influence marketing isn't a cheap channel necessarily, but that just means you need to make sure you're being strategic with your spend and also that you have a full grasp on your returns. And also there are many different ways of using influence marketing. You, you can use it in paid newsletters, content websites. So uh, there's a lot of like a, uh, you can have a, a 360 view of like, or use of your influence marketing. And getting stuck on last click attribution or being focused on influencer audience sizes rather than engagement. These are data points that are are all going to steer you in the wrong direction and make it difficult to understand the true value you're getting from the channel. And then, in turn, make it really difficult for you to know whether you're investing the right amount of money in the right places. For sure. So the trick here... And this is going to sound very glib, but do go and take a look at our previous podcast and content because we basically never stop talking about this subject. But the important thing here is really to ensure that you have the right data running through your entire strategy and to keep a, a kind of a constant eye out for opportunities to optimize. That really is the only way you're going to get the best results from your influence marketing. And It would actually take care of the third most common challenge uh, that marketers explained. And that's the ability to track or understand the authenticity of influencers. Mm, Yes. Now, considering, and it's worth mentioning that this was a survey um, carried out in the UK, which I think makes this make a lot more sense. Because influencers have gotten a pretty bad rep over the last couple of years There's been a lot of, you know, kind of negative tabloid headlines flagging up about trips to Dubai during lockdown or Photoshop or, you know, ad declarations, which is all to say that I I get it. We get it. And we genuinely can see where that uncertainty comes from. Yeah. And but the thing to remember here is that well-behaved influencers don't make headlines Mm -hmm. and especially smaller accounts, micro influencers, they often exhibit almost surprisingly high engagement levels precisely because they are regarded so trustworthy. But no one is writing a news article about how Becky with, uh, let's say, 30,000 followers respected all the advertising standards and used (laughs) filters responsibly, (laughs) you know? Poor Becky. Becky needs more press. We need Becky to get more press. (laughs) Yeah. And this this is something that, again, data can go a long way to helping you understand. Now, I will say this is probably not something you're going to want to tackle manually, 
But with a good influencer marketing platform, you should be able to get a much clearer idea of the authenticity of an influencer's following and the real levels of engagement that they enjoy. Yeah, and plus, if you're working with an agency that already has their own purpose-built platform, like we do at Cure Media, I just almost raised my hand here, (laughs) then you're going to get that historical industry knowledge that will help you root out any bad apples before you invest in them. Yeah, it really is that blend of experience and expertise and technological ability that's going to make you best equipped to take influence marketing to the places it can go. But on that note, we are actually going to have to draw this episode to a close. Yeah, which every time it's a shame because (laughs) there's so much more in the report that we could have kept going on about. So much more. We could have been here for hours. But the reports are available on our website. You just need to head to www.curemedia.com to download not one, not two, but three separate research reports offering you all of the latest insights into consumer preferences and behaviors, as well as more information around the influence marketing trends you need to know. It's amazing reports. Yeah, they're pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) But that is unfortunately all we have time for today. We have been your hosts, Frida and Holly, and you have been listening to Influencer Marketing Talks. Thank you for joining us and we will see you back here next week.